1: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water podcast with your hosts Micah, and Andy, and Nate. What did, you, what did you? Who did you say, Andy? He's back. <laughs> I've Which been we hear. Is this, this the first? This is the first one well, the listeners going to hear. This right? is the
0: first one the listeners going to hear. that he's back.
1: We've done okay. uh, done some. There's
2: After, another, there but, was
1: another one.
0: Yeah, but they haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, that'll be next week. Yeah, but we recorded it before this week. So, this is podcast crap. I'm here. Where? So
1: thank you uh, thank you for, you know, blessing us with your presence. <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, hey, baby doing okay? Everything doing good okay? there?
2: Actually, I just got a text message. He had his one-month appointment, and he is surprised in the 80. Hang on a second.
1: Don't worry. We got all day.
2: I figured he did. <laughs> 80th percentile for height. Oh, nice. A short little bastard. Yeah. 51st uh, percentile for weight. So he's about right in the middle for weight, but he's, uh, he's a tall little guy.
1: Yeah. I actually, I took uh, Lainey, our littlest, to her appointment. Her was, was her 16th month yeah. appointment today. So she's tiny. I have a, she, she's tiny. Small, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. I think she was in the 30s. As long as she's healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's exactly. healthy.
0: So she had to get shots. That's never fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of funny to watch. Them. Not funny, but, like, you see it, the and shot hit him, the, and it it takes a second and then to start yeah <laughs> like, wait <laughs> what just happened to me yeah, yeah. what had happened was
1: mm. i was really loud sorry about that yeah it was loud it was
0: loud all show you're gonna have to learn how to use a straw yeah. okay <laughs> i ain't gonna do that but all right Didn't
1: i'll you, just start drinking straight beer out of a can that way I don't have to worry that's about what you it pretty
0: much do every week mm. yeah.
1: well it is two o'clock in the afternoon so I don't. that might be frowned upon it's afternoon isn't it or, you're not working today i gotta go to the school later that's true (laughs) so what we talking about today uh budget hunting hunting on a budget however
0: you want to say it you you said it both ways so good job yeah
1: with the dave ramsey of the hunting world yeah
0: tracy breen tracy breen tracy Breen. Tracy is a uh, guy we know uh through our work with huntworth and and some other brands uh tracy's been an outdoor writer and marketing consultant uh 24 extraordinaire years? for you know 25 24 plus years like in the the industry. he's done a little bit of everything. been
1: there seen it done it talked
0: to him wrote it in a magazine he's done it all yeah so wrote, wrote a book yeah wrote a book. <laughs> he, a he book. talks <laughs> about that in the show uh and we've known tracy for you know several years now and yeah. have kind of put off doing a show with him we're probably going to do some more uh based on what we talked about it today is, yeah he's got a
2: lot of knowledge and experience Oh, my yeah
0: so uh that's who's on today we talk about some budget hunting uh we actually go off into a rabbit hole towards the end and talk about something the listener uh especially a listener here in missouri during whitetail season should mm-hmm. be uh thinking about mm-hmm. good time to be thinking about it too so uh let's just kind of start moving into this yeah let's get these uh awesome partners out of the way midwest a- Gun no, w-
1: no 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 no, okay. no no no, you go ahead let andy start why does it matter
2: okay let's go uh Lucky Buck. <laughs> we'll just See, change it up. He was shaking we'll the rust off. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Start with Lucky Buck. Uh, check them out. We're actually um, kind of winding down that part of the year. I just dumped my September bucket, which right. I know was a week early, but we're leaving for which, Colorado. Same. Which I it sounds
2: once. crazy. People think, oh, winding down. Everybody's starting to put stuff out a lot of times for mm-hmm. this stuff. we are still got stuff out, but if you follow the Lucky Buck Program. manual programming yeah. – time frame you don't you don't dump out as much this time of year surprisingly because right. one you, know, you don't the, need it. the rat growth is not there so you're just using it as an attractant from here on out basically
0: kind of salt yeah and uh they they recommend like well i, I think it's two-thirds of a bucket in september and a third yep. i just did a half a bucket because i'm not very good at math i did the same thing so i just did a half hard. a bucket yep and uh so check them out LuckyBuckMineral.com. yeah onyx
1: we are going to be using the crap out of that Speaking I need mean, to make I sure got, I go offline. I gotta download my map so
2: I can make sure I go offline. Because where we go, you don't have cell phone service.
1: Yeah, so we use it literally every day for a long periods of time. So
0: And I'm the person that is Micah can attest, every time we stop moving You look at I it. I look at it. Yeah. You're yeah. pretty bad about it. That I kinda
2: <laughs> We're pretty worried Nate's gonna get lost. I think I'm worried got, I'm gonna get he lost. He got
1: scared <laughs> first year going out there and I think that is stuck with it. it, it with me me I can since. go out there and I can walk around for a little while and then you know, yeah. okay. Well, maybe I need to figure out where I'm at. But, e- anyways, use on use Onyx if you want. You can get on the uh, website and use the code
0: MWW20 and you can save yourself twenty percent. So it's onxmaps.com You can't do it through the app. Right. Yeah. You have to do it online, which you're saving twenty percent. So go ahead and do it. Um, big good time of year to get it done. Rivers Edge Tree Stands. I finished trimming up my trees
1: for my riversedge tree stand the other day yeah it was quite enjoyable the only thing unenjoyable which whenever we had gabe on uh i took the whole family out there and uh, when we got back to the house we found that my son probably had 300 seed ticks all over Uh, yeah it was pretty bad and of course it was lawson it was lawson he was the only like the other I have two daughters and my son, and then my wife. They kind of stayed around, you know, the one area, Lawson being Lawson. He went on a little adventure, which I encouraged. Well, boys well, being yeah, boys. Yeah, you being know? boys being boys, and he must have just gotten to a patch of them somewhere. So, yeah, but, Gabe talked about how much he hates them, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. But Rivers <laughs> Edge. Not, not Lawson, stay. the sea Ticks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Use the code Missouri 10 for 10% off. Plus free shipping. Yeah, on any that's huge, by the way, free shipping damn. on any hang on or ladder stands. I that's wanna, huge free I shipping. Wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't want to know how much a how much it would cost to ship a stand. That's well, if you use that be, damn code, you don't have to. Worry I know, it you don't have to worry about, about it.
0: Missouri ten. There you go. Cut it back. Use the code M O W W twenty two for ten percent off.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, you guys got your cameras out and got some pictures of some. If not, you're behind. swamped
2: <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So. Check them out. Yep. Uh, Midwest Gunworks. All He's your d- gun manufacturing needs. Uh, can't, can't, <laughs> can't manufacture a gun, Andrew. Your gun
1: part needs. What, you got your, a 3D uh, printer at
2: your house? No, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but
1: uh, no, they got everything
0: gun related. Yep. So.
2: And your firearm relations. Yep. MWW 5 for 5%. Yep.
0: And last but not least, Camo Fire and Black Ovis. Mm-hmm. Camo yeah. Fire, I will not get on it. I will not get on it. I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it. Let's not do it. Flash camo sale, fire,
2: flash sale, check it out. It'll cost you money, but it's worth it.
0: But you get you get to save a little money as you're costing yourself money, so that's nice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They always got some type of good deal. And then going Black on. Ovis. Uh, Ooh, they got they, what? they got muzzle loaders on camo fire right now. Do they? Yeah. Well, I I promised I wouldn't check. I didn't say anything. About
2: they would you. look over so, Micah's yeah.
1: shoulder. Bunch of CVA muzzle loaders it's and nice ammo.
0: And quiet cat. Ooh, Ooh, we could use one of those possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Hope so. And then Black Ovis, um, sister company, Camo Fire, com. Use the code MWW10 for 10% off. If you got um, something you're missing for
2: this upcoming hunting season, get chances after it. are Black Ovis is going to have it. Yep, you, they got you, you can
0: cover. still do Arrow ID Builder. Yep. And you can uh, select a rush option, whatever it's called. Yep. Because you're going to probably need that. Uh, by the time you hear this, it's going to be roughly two weeks out from Missouri's archery season. Mm-hmm. And then last, because uh, we do talk about them in the show, let's uh, let's plug Huntworth gear. Yeah, um, they got the new Heat Boost yeah, lines man. coming out. We talk about that in the show. We're uh, just excited we, we can finally uh, talk, talk about, about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we got to test that Heat Boost stuff all winter, and it is legit. It's awesome. So if you're looking for late season, yep. uh, mid season, late season stuff, you need to check out Huntworth. Um, you should have anyway because they already had awesome stuff, but it just got better um another option so check them out how out huntworthgear.com use the code mww15 for 15 percent off there too
1: all right let's get into the show with tracy breen let's do it let's go this is the missouri woods and water podcast there he is
0: Okay, with us tonight, we have Tracy Breen. Tracy, what's going on, man?
3: Hey, man, we're just uh, end of summer here, pushing uh, towards hunting season. Obviously, most of you guys have hunting on the mind. Uh, Those of us behind the scenes are, you know, ramping up, trying to make sure all of our our ad messaging and budgeting and everything is in place. So uh, it's certainly a busy time of year in the hunting industry.
1: What hunt do you have planned first for yourself,
3: ah, uh, you know, you know, uh, kind of a funny story, and, and we kind of talked about this in the beginning. I, I started making a living in the hunting industry when I was 20, and from 20 to 35, I'm 44 now. From 20 to 35, I hunted in about 34 states. Um, oh, wow. and from 35 awesome. till now, uh, most of my goal is around getting my kids on critters. That makes sense. Um, you know, to be honest with you, most people in the hunting industry that have traveled like I have most of them are divorced and I kind of I picked up on that pretty early on like you know I just don't want that to be me and so when my kids started getting old enough that uh, when I was being dropped off at the airport and they were crying and carrying on and it was the eighth trip of the fall um, you know I just decided that it, it was time to kind of cut back and and that, that particular trip was like a moose hunt in Alaska. I can remember it like yesterday. My wife had to drag my kids out of the airport, and I'm, I was just like, you know.
2: Whoops, made um, the I, trip. I lived
3: the dream. <laughs> uh, um, it, when I was in the heart of it, I was hunting seven, eight states a year. You That's know? awesome. Um, just, you know, from one state to the next, all fall. And it's been a dream. It's been a wonderful life um but there just comes a point where you're like yeah you know it's time to cut back so believe it or not and you can't do this in missouri where you guys are but um one of my favorite things to do that i'll do first this fall is turkey hunting with a dog Uh, i have turkey dogs What and uh (laughs) I have we're, never heard of that. Yeah, okay, okay. you're, you're going to have to explain yeah. how that works. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just yeah, go you know, um, right
0: so, off into a rabbit hole right off the bat. Yeah,
3: we're going, we're going in a rabbit hole, But so I'll, I'll keep it quick. But uh, we I'm in living in the hunting industry, and I turkey hunt with dogs. That's my thing for fun. That <laughs> has nothing to do with my job. But uh, turkey hunting with dogs is that dog is trained to go break up a flock the way a coon dog okay. is trained to tree a coon. And so I I'd, I'd dump a dog in the woods. It's got a GPS collar on it. It's usually ranging three to 500 yards from me, sometimes 100, sometimes 200. When that dog lights up the woods, when it starts barking, I can bet the farm he's breaking turkeys. Mm -hmm. Um, And So that dog's job is to break those turkeys as far as wide as possible. You sit down where the dog broke the turkeys and call them back in. You reassemble them. The dog climbs into a duffel bag and sits there quiet until the gun goes off. Wow, wow that
2: is awesome i've never heard never, of that. Before. i've never heard of that yeah, yeah. so where is it's, that it's
3: not legal in missouri it's legal all around you uh i've done it in kansas really um a lot of, a lot of states near you it's it's legal but um it, it's a lot of fun in fact there's an episode i did with nick's wild ride uh where he followed me around in the body for a day and we and, uh, we killed some turkeys watch that to, so we're gonna have to yeah. take a look at that yeah. nick's so, wild ride uh, yeah yeah
0: i'll have to check that out because uh you know, you thought you've heard of everything. I've, I've never heard of There's very that. few. Um,
3: yeah. Those of us who do it in a hardcore way, there's probably 200 or less of us in the whole country. Really? Um, the sad thing with that is we don't have much of a voice, right? So mm-hmm. as turkey populations start to plummet, um, even though it's probably not the correct thing to do, what most states are doing is outlawing the fall season. Yeah. When, when the they're fall hunt up. literally takes up one half of one percent of of the kill of turkeys in most states
1: yeah if anything you would think they would get rid of the we have a spring season i'm assuming most other states do too but get rid of the spring season because that's when you know all the breeding and most of that goes on
3: yeah i mean turkey's really one of the few birds that's killed during its breeding season and then i love taking kids hunting i'm never one to bash youth hunting but if you look at the data, we've started opening our spring turkey seasons earlier and earlier, especially with the youth hunts, and and so what happens with that is um, you have these seasons opening before the hens are even on the nest. You're killing the boss gobbler, and mm-hmm. and then it disrupts the hierarchy and all that. So that's certainly an issue. Hmm. That's awesome. I, I don't.
2: I mean, not like, the not that uh, part. part <laughs> but I'm still want... still you know dumbfounded by turkey with dogs, and how have I never heard of that?
0: I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember what the hell we're talking about today, because that just yeah yeah. If you, you want
3: know. to uh, circle back, we don't need to go down that rabbit trail. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pretty cool. That's There's a, also show a itself, Cricket in my
3: office here. I don't want to stop this interview to go find that cricket. I know. <laughs> I, 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 he, I
0: heard him he, there he for started a second. Talking. Well, that's all right. To the listener, if you hear a cricket, he's just he's part of the show now. He's sure. our he's our other <laughs> guest. So, um, so what we're going to talk about today with Tracy, uh, like Tracy said, Tracy's been in the hunt- hunting industry for uh, a long time. Uh, 24 years, if I did the math, correct. Yeah. And he's, you know, been an outdoor riding, outdoor rider, a marketing consultant. He does it kind of been in every type of different role. And we've actually been working with, uh, with Tracy, um, through one of the companies he works for and
3: a couple of them actually. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. yeah, a couple. yeah. yeah and absolutely.
0: we've kind of, we've talked about a lot of our listeners being folks that are on budgets. Right. And yeah. The uh, the industry, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, there's there's some companies that are su- super affordable. Um, sometimes quality lacks. There's other companies that are really high quality, but also high high priced. And um, we we're kind of talking about hunting on a budget, especially for the folks that are wanting to, to travel, um, like we're going to be doing mm-hmm. by the time this show comes out. Let's see here. We'll be in no, nope, no, nope, we won't. This will this will well, come out the day before we leave. Okay, yeah. so you know we're going to be traveling to an out of out of state Western hunt that we go on every year, um, but we have to budget that. We can't just go spend ten grand a piece, or it wouldn't happen. So we're going to talk about that. Tracy, like you said, you've been all over the the continental US at this point in thirty four different states tra- uh, hunting. So I'm sure at some point in your life, especially when you were younger, you had to figure out how to do that without going bankrupt
3: yeah especially when uh you know I was making my living as an outdoor rider you know I was on a different podcast last week we talked about it um my first year as a full-time outdoor writer, I made $28,000 okay um that year I also elk hunted I probably whitetail hunted out of state and those kind of things so every, every dime counted right yeah. um so you know early 2000s hunting in Colorado for an elk. I mean, I, I really did have it down to eight, 900 bucks, you know, going with one buddy and I, and I'll be honest, it was peanut butter, jelly sandwiches and ramen noodles for, you know, 14 to 18 days. Um, you know, I, I jokingly say when I'm doing seminars, I had my food down to like $3 a, a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> because peanut butter was cheap and ramen noodles for 10 for a buck. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and, Today, do I use more freeze-dried food, more Mountain House, and things like that? Ab- absolutely, but back then I didn't.
1: Yeah, you got to start mean, somewhere. You can't just go in there and you know get all the fanciest, fanciest of things first time. Well, I mean, me personally, I guess I you can't, could try. You could try it, but uh, <laughs>
0: you're going to piss most, your wife off
1: or your yeah, husband off. whatever. Yeah. Whatnot. For most of us out yeah, here, you know, yeah. blue-collar type workers and stuff, that you just can't do it. Yeah.
3: And add to that, you know, I'm writing for magazines and, and magazines, they don't make you rich, you know? Um, so back, back then, if it was a feature article on an elk hunt, I was making somewhere between five and 700 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so for that hunt to make money, which had, had to be a key part of the equation uh, in order to make a living at it, right? I mean, really you had to publish three or four articles uh, to make any real money. So if you were going on a guided elk hunt, my first guided elk hunt out west uh, was with someone in the industry, they paid for it. It was five or six grand. Well, five or six thousand account—that's you know, ten to fifteen articles before you break even, and that's just not right. possible, you know. So yeah, based off, of, I, I always said I made my living being the Dave Ramsey of hunting. Right? I mean, uh, just learning to live within your means.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an important skill to learn for one, whether it's okay—you don't have the resources. And you want the experience of say an elk hunt, or if okay, I want to go tackle those seven to eight hunts a year, and how can I do all of these things, you know, within reason?
0: Is it possible? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, if it's you're you're trying to balance, you know, your first you know first year rider at making twenty eight thousand, trying to balance a hunt, or if you're you know yeah. an established person, but still you want to have seven or eight experiences. Mm.
0: And that's – Tracy's in a, no different a situation than a lot of our listeners. You know, young guy, just got out of high school, starting a construction job, or just got out of college, mm-hmm. and you know, starting a job, making forty grand a year. And then they think about, well, I want to go out west, or I want to go hunt turkeys in Nebraska. I want to go to –
2: Kansas, Iowa. Kansas, Iowa, you know,
0: whatever, right? And I, I think a lot of our listeners, the second they start thinking about the cost – that's the end of it um, because they can't fathom being able to go because they think about, well, I need this, 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 and this. So let's talk about, um, well, I guess when you first started, what are some things you did up front to help control costs? Obviously you have to have some items to be able to go.
3: Sure. I I always say when I'm doing a seminar on this subject, um, that first time is going to be expensive because uh, let's take an elk hunt, right? You want a really good backpack. Uh, just so happens, you know, now I work for Outdoorsman's. Um, Outdoorsman's makes an American-made backpack for the backcountry. Uh, whether you buy theirs or some other pack, you know, Mystery Ranch, Kifaru, whatever, those things are going to be five, six, seven hundred bucks, right? Uh, that's expensive. Uh, I use a Kifaru teepee. That's expensive, you know, that's, thousand dollars. So some of that stuff's pretty expensive up front. But just just experimenting. There's been a few trips I've taken with really cheap stuff just to see, okay, if I'm using the Coleman tent that I picked up at Walmart, how's this gonna fare against my thousand dollar teepee? Or mm-hmm. or you know, I got a hundred dollar backpack instead. You can you can really get by cheap, you know. Um, but I would say backpack really good backpack one of my favorite lines if i'm going on a backcountry hunt and i'm telling people how to do it i say a really good backpack is going to make 100 pounds feel like 50 and a bad pack is going to make 50 pounds feel like 100 yeah and and that really is um the truth now something we haven't talked about i have cerebral palsy i've had more surgeries than you have fingers and toes and you know so cerebral palsy is hard on my body i'm glad i did all that hunting when i was young um so having a pack that made the 100 pounds feel like 50 or in my case i really never carried more than 60 or so you know having 60 pounds feel like 30 that was absolutely a must yeah
0: Yeah. and and i would echo that sentiment that was you know when we first started going out west the pack is something i noticed more than other things Mm -hmm. and boots but we'll get to that yeah
3: boots are another one schnees you know back when i worked with meat eater i had a deal with Sinead's, and i got Sinead's boots and you know those things are three four hundred bucks or whatever and and you know eight years later i'm still using them
0: yeah so you know for the guy or gal that's home with us that wants to go out west or even you know somewhere like a, a white tail hunt in nebraska turkey hunting in nebraska whatever we've heard about nebraska a lot lately yeah we don't. have
3: <laughs> yeah but, i, I uh, hunted nebraska last fall actually yeah. so uh, nebraska's a good place
0: so you know there there are some things you're going to have to get at some point. But you know, you can get by with a $125, $150 pair of boots. Will it like you said about your Zamberlands the other day, they are like walking on pillows and they tickle my feet, you yeah, know. They're, they're yeah, great. they're they're not going to be like the $500 pair of Zamberlands that we are running or whatever, but they would do the job and they would probably keep you from having blisters all over the place i ran a 125 twenty-five dollar pair of boots for the first three years i was in colorado same and they i mean they did fine it wasn't great but they worked they get (laughs) you out probably
3: one of the biggest things to cut back believe it or is food i think we spent a lot of money on food um i agree with you know and especially if you're going to do a backcountry thing i think one mistake a lot of guys make is they want to bring you know canned goods and all these different things into the backcountry and be the cool hip guy and cook amazing meals and all those things if you're elk hunting hard, long days, you know, up at four in the morning, bed at ten at eleven at night. I mean, you know, ramen noodles, freeze-dried food, cramming that crap down your throat and going to sleep. That's all I ever wanted to do: peanut butter sandwiches, granola bars, those kind of things. Uh, it wasn't uncommon to lose 10, 15 pounds after a, you know, two week elk kind of hitting it hard. Yep. Uh, but just everyone needs to realize and believe that it's absolutely doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the saddest things to me is to speak at a wild game dinner and have, you know, some 60 year old guy come up to me and go, yeah, I'm always really wanted to do that. I hope to do it sometime soon. And I'm looking at him like, dude, you're 60, <laughs> you know? Um, there's some 60 year olds that can climb, you know, 10,000 feet and chase bulls. Most can't, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it's a young man's game. It's better to do between 20 and 40. and and skimp and scrape and and just realize it's possible we watch tv and watch michael waddell and god bless those guys lee and tiffany all those guys but they're they're going on high-end hunts and so a lot of people watch them and think oh that's the way i got to do it um but there's a happy medium there you don't have to do it i've been on all those hunts i've been on ten thousand dollar elk hunts and i've been on eight hundred dollar elk hunts and and uh the eight hundred dollar elk hunts are more rewarding
0: the ten thousand
3: dollar ones. It is nice to sleep in a million dollar lodge at night and have five star <laughs> meals and have bowls, hang out with all the big all over. Theaters, Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, I don't know. It's not as rewarding as as the cheap ones.
2: No, you're exactly right. And, and to you know, I guess restate your sentiment there. My dad's 65 years old. He's been going out hunting for a long time, and all of his friends and stuff. Like, man, yeah. When I retire, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And he just straight tells him like, No, you're not. You need to do it now. Yeah. And you're like, well, I just don't know. He's like. You do it now, you're not going to be able to get that full value out of it. You're going to have so many limitations on yourself. You know, even now at 65, he climbs up there. He doesn't get after it like he used to, but, no, but he gets up in the dark timber and makes a play on him. You know, so it's uh, he he tells every one of his friends that like, oh, I, I want to do that sometime. He's like, your clock's ticking, bud. you yeah. do it now or never. The
3: procrastination yeah. is the death of all of us, right? Uh, yep. I mean, you look at your podcast. You look at me as a writer. Um. You know, people go, well, how, how in the heck did you make it? Well, step number one, I did it right. Um, A lot of people talk about having a podcast or writing for a hunting magazine or having a TV show or going on an elk hunt. Step one's following through, you know what I mean? And um, I've never met a guy went on an elk hunt that said, Hey man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? Or I I wish I wouldn't have sacrificed that thousand dollars or I mean, heck skip Starbucks every week for a year or whatever, whatever you got to do. Yeah, Micah. And if it's whitetails, whitetails are even cheaper, right? Because most of us have all the gear for a whitetail hunt already. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe it's a whitetail hunt that you want to go on. You know, probably five, six, seven hundred bucks you can go on one of those or a bear hunt or whatever. Yeah. The problem with elk is the success rate is insanely low. All Western game, your odds of success if you're flinging arrows is, you know, single digit.
0: We are first hand
2: knowledge of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And I feel sometimes there's some unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of those, you know, those hunts, like you said, those $10,000 hunts, they're getting shots at these six by sixes, six by sevens. If you're climbing out and you know, just getting your, your elbows dirty out there in public land with everybody else on these budget hunts, you have to manage your expectations, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. But you know, a lot of people haven't been planning for years and years and years and have a bunch of points that they can put in these premium units. They might have decided Mm. last year of, I'm going to go elk hunting. And so they're over the counter or one point, two point type deals. I feel like you have to manage your expectations a little bit. And it's kind of skewed by the videos we watch, by the industry. Mm. I mean, promoting those things. The
3: the mental side, right? The mental side of this uh, is 90% of the game. You know, I always say on day. So as a freelance writer, I could go on a really long trip. So, Mm -hmm. So let's dissect that a minute. Probably the number one key to success of anyone I know who's hunting public land, who regularly fills tags, probably the single greatest factor to them filling tags is they are able to spend more time in the field than the average person. So some of my elk hunts were close to three weeks long. Okay, (laughs) so from the time I left till the time I got home, 21, 22, 23 days. Um, That's great. The downside is by day three or four of hunting, you're usually, you start getting tuckered out, you're mentally wore out it's 90 in the shade. You haven't heard a bugle. You've hunted the same water hole. You beat that to death. What do we do now? Everything looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so the guys who are successful are the ones who just keep grinding and they realize the odds of success on day 17 are likely just as high as they were on day one, two or three. And you just got to keep pushing. Um, And the more time you have, the better, you know, as I, as I look back on a lot of my hunts, regardless of species, I filled a lot of tags on the last day or second to last day because it takes that long to figure out the game.
0: Yeah, and I agree with everything the crickets saying as well. He is making some yeah, really good points. Keep
3: bringing him in. Some people realize, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's actually a special sound effect I brought in just for you guys. Some people feel like they're in the woods. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: um, yeah, I, he, he I wonder it's if legitimate he is out in it. I wonder <laughs> if he is in the background just being like, haha ha, idiots!" <laughs> like he knows yeah, what he's doing, funny. you know.
3: I have not heard a cricket in here. And unfortunately I have so much hunting gear like in my office right now. Like I'd really have to dig this thing apart. (laughs) I think it's (laughs)
2: awesome. We'll be all right. Special sound effects.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you made a good point uh, also right before that. I mean, we actually, this show hasn't come out yet. It'll come out next week. We recorded our, uh, our pre elk trip show that we do every year as a group. And we kind of talked about me potentially not going. I mentioned, some family stuff happening. My daughter's in high school for the first time, obviously, and missing some softball games. And Andy Hopefully made a, not the second, you know, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> to go back through. Andy made a mention about, well, it's not going to get any better and you're not going to get younger, you know? Right. I mean, it's only going to get harder to go. And it's, those are great points. And I think there's a lot of our listeners that are in a similar boat, but just haven't went yet. They haven't went. And I don't, we kind of keep talking about out West and that, that makes sense a lot of people have that dream to go elk hunting mm, yeah but, but we could just be talking about dropping down to arkansas to go uh, you know white tail hunting hun- or bear hunting or dr- moving up to nebraska and try to do something you have the idea but you don't know how to execute it so you just don't do it and or the money mm-hmm. i mean there's that but well,
3: no lie in 2020 2020- I, I think there's two things money is one of them and then the second factor is people don't know where to start That's um, huge, man with with onyx maps and all those things today that gives you a good starting point but something i always did was i always called biologists okay i would call a biologist in the area i planned on hunting and pick his brain now is biologist fred gonna say hey let me give you an x on the map of where to go you know absolutely not hopefully but what i found <laughs> you know some of them might but what i found is if i said to him hey i've been researching area a b and c if it were you of a b and c which one would you go to first they'll usually give you that data, you know, mm-hmm. and they might give you a tidbit or a spot or two if they've realized you've put the work in. Uh, the biggest problem with dealing with a biologist is sometimes you got to call them 20 times to get them to call you back or to answer a phone call or whatever. Um, but that that's a good place to start too. Yeah. Yep. No doubt about that. Um,
0: another thing that I was thinking, what what are your thoughts on, So for us, like we go out and we have a decently large group that goes out. There's, uh, eight of us total, uh, seven hunters.
3: Yep. That's a lot of dudes. Seven hunters.
0: (laughs) Uh, well, guess what that does though? That helps break up the cost. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're somebody who can't, you know, maybe it's, you're going to spend $400 on a pack and $200 on a pair of boots and that, that's pretty close to tapping you out, uh, for travel and food. You know, you add two or three people, and all of a sudden it is a little more affordable because you can divide the, the, the fuel prices by three. You can divide the the food prices by three, and it makes it a little more doable. You just got to find those people who want to do it with you.
2: I mean, we go out. It's a little different than what you're talking about, I guess, in some. But, like, we stop at the grocery store out there and, I mean, collectively buy our ham sandwiches or our peanut butter and jelly. I mean, so we can split it over eight people right. as opposed to to ourselves, makes it a little cheaper for everybody there as a, as a party. And then we've had people like, Oh man, I don't, I don't have a cot. Well, some of us have been going longer than others and we've changed cots or have different cots Hey, here, here's an extra one. Or I need a tent. Here's a tent. I mean, so it's able, you were able to, you know, help each other out with the stuff and pull our, pull our resources.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you are thinking about these trips, maybe, you know, go through your index of people that, you know, that maybe I've already Gone. See if you can piggyback with them or something. That's always a good idea too.
3: The um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna be the fly in the ointment there. Do it. Uh, <laughs> so so my rule of thumb was always to only go. I never broke this rule by the way. Only go with one other person. Uh, cost is higher for sure. Your success rates higher too. I believe that. Um, because because the more people you have to bring, the more human odor, uh, the more opinions. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I always say um, there's two types of hunters. Uh, there's the backcountry hunter like me and the hotel hunter. No offense to either of them. But if the hotel hunter who wants scrambled eggs and bacon every morning ends up in a backcountry tent and it's his best buddy, but they didn't talk beforehand of what they were hoping for to get out of it. of those two guys end up in the same tent for two weeks, they're gonna end up fighting like a couple old biddies at church <laughs> and you know it's all gonna go south. So I always go with a like-minded individual. And only one person. Uh, that way, you don't burn out an area either. I mean, you have seven, eight guys. You makes know. sense. Sure. You can be you can be in the back country of Colorado and go, man, look at all this space. But you can burn out a spot real fast if you got half a dozen guys or <coughs> more. So, I always had to look at things differently because I'm I was making a living, right? That makes sense. Uh, yeah. If step one is to just go out there and have fun with your buddies, I mean, bring as many as you want or whatever. <laughs> if yeah, if making the house payment depends on something dying, well, that's a whole other story. That's very I'll true. Yeah, sure. That's
0: very true. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be clear, we're not hunting all eight of us together. <laughs> so, I mean, we all break up. Yeah. And of course, we're in yeah. pretty highly pressured uh, OTC yeah. units where we're going. Yeah. So it's not uncommon, you know, when you're hunting, especially the last three years, to, to bump into other hunters all over the place. And you're just like, how are there even elk here? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I've seen 17 individuals today and, you know, uh, not an elk. And then five minutes later, boom, there you are. There's elk. But um, so there's definitely a difference in, you know, what are you wanting to get accomplished? Are you wanting to be in the backcountry where you're, you know, on the side of a mountain every night uh, camping? Because, yes, eight guys would be a, an absolute shit show. <laughs> in that situation yeah, trying to do a
3: drop <laughs> and, and i and i and i bumped into camps like that and they're having a great time probably way more fun than i'm having <laughs> to be honest with you um you know and and they get up and they have wonderful meals and there's usually a cook and camp and all those kind of <laughs> right. things you know um that just was never my style you know we just hit it hard all day came back ate a you know wilderness athlete granola bar and went to bed you know yeah yep that's
0: definitely a different experience for sure, for it, sure. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah they're they're two awesome experiences but just different in their own rights um so what's some more so, some more things you did back especially you know i'm kind of trying to i'm wanting you to tap into 20 year old tracy you know because yep. 20 year old tracy probably financially wasn't doing as as good as
3: yeah, tracy yeah. now
0: um yep. what are some and other things tracy you did
3: now tracy now is still just as tight as tracy was then <laughs> <laughs> life so, skill right yep yeah um You know, what I tend to do is really cut back on on food or clothing that I don't need. I don't buy anything extra that I don't need. And I I just, I cut back on all those things. I get the best gear I can. And I don't skimp on gear, uh, like, you know, whether it's a Garmin in reach, you know, and all those kind of things that can help you communicate with back home. I, I don't skimp on that stuff. It really is food and lodging. I don't ever stay in a hotel. You know what I mean? Um, none of those things. And, and I mean, if you start doing the math right now, I mean, we can break it down. I do this so much that I mean, I could just break it down. You know, uh, even with gas this expensive, if a couple of guys are going west, they're probably only gonna have five, six, $700 in gas. So you split that up, you got a few hundred bucks a guy. You can get by for a couple hundred dollars worth of food a piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, your tag is probably gonna be five, six, seven hundred bucks. That's the most expensive part of this. And that's what scares away most people is that expense. So I mean if you just add that up, a few calls, a pair of boots, a tent, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars right now, um, I still think it's pretty doable for a for a hunt out west.
2: Yeah. I mean yeah. what are
3: you guys spending? You tell me, what do you what do you think you're less spending? Less than less
0: than that now because yeah. of so you're talking, yeah, your initial here. trip, yeah.
2: absolutely, every bit of that. But um, you know, after our initial trip we have those things and
0: I would say this year, just me personally, um, including the tag, I'll probably spend $1,200 or less. <coughs> now, remember, we're dividing food up between more people. Yeah. And fuel is the same way, although we have two vehicles going out, not one. So um, I would I would say 1200 will be uh, about
1: – Yeah, that's a safe bet. Yeah. I mean, really – Now, there can be fuel some crazy things
3: there can be some crazy things that happen. Like, uh, we killed two bulls in two days in New Mexico. Okay. Back to back 90 degrees, both days when the arrows flew and, uh, we got done packing out the one bull, And the next morning I was cutting the antlers off my bull, And, uh, my buddy comes walking up behind me and says, you ready to do this again? Oh shit! And we had just packed out my bull; We were just about done. And I said, man, I don't know, man, we've just, we've been beating it to death. And he went out that morning and killed a bull. Uh, we decided to hire a horse packer
2: absolutely <laughs> you know, i mean that was
3: that was probably three hundred dollars 350 bucks we weren't planning on spending but i can tell you that was the best 350 bucks I ever spent in my life yeah your you body know, thanked um, you for that i'm sure <laughs> yeah we called we called this guy in on a satellite phone you know gave him gps coordinates from the satellite phone and and he brought two horses in right to the spot and packed that bull out in one trip and and you know that's that awesome. in itself was an amazing memory, just having this guy show up on horses and yeah. getting the bull on and you know, all all those kind of things. It was an amazing memory.
0: You could have un- unforeseen expenses for sure. Well, <laughs> Last year, Andy had, what, $600 in tires?
1: <laughs> oh, it was more than that. Yeah. yep. 200 bucks a pop, five tires. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Stuff you do have to – I mean, you do got to try to be prepared for. I mean, like if I ever – if I kill a bull that I'm going to mount, uh, as far as the shoulder mount or whatever I'm going to do, I've always said, hey, you know, I'm going to budget to, after I get him down off the mountain, to get him straight into a taxidermist somewhere out there so that it doesn't get ruined. Um, locker, you know, or has a in or a freezer or something. Get them, get you know, dealt with by them, which is going to cost money. Uh, yeah,
3: and they do charge more, I'll be honest. I've, sure. I've been hosed. Uh, I mean, we had a meat processor in uh, Reserve New Mexico just completely destroy us you know with the Mm -hmm. amount of money he he charged us to to, uh process an elk and he had us there was no way around it because uh this was a different hunt but it was the bull was killed on the second day third day of a hunt we were there for 14 15 days and and uh you know he it was 90 degrees in the shade so he he got you
0: yeah we've even talked about actually we used to have a processor they're no longer in business that um we were going to use like if we killed something early just go and and rent freezer space from them and say, Hey, can we store the meat here for the rest of the hunt and we'll come pick it up. Don't do anything to it. Just can we leave it here? And, uh, they are now gone. So, and we haven't really found anything. We've done that before.
3: We've done that before. A lot of them won't do that anymore, but we have done that before. We've brought freezers out and plugged them into generators. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but, but, um, I, I just encourage everybody, um, pick some crazy hunt if it's not elk maybe it's an antelope you know cool thing with antelope out west you can you can spend money on a on a trespass hunt you know what i mean where they Mm -hmm. just drop you off at the gate you're kind of on your own uh you know i did that for 1500 bucks you know killed an antelope for 1500 bucks same thing you're in the west you get to see the scenery the odds of success on an antelope are you know 80 plus percent a bear hunt Whether that's in Canada or someplace here in the States, I mean, bear hunts are really, really high success rates. Unfortunately, everybody wants to go on a whitetail hunt, and the success rate on a lot of whitetail hunts, uh, guided or unguided, is pretty low. You know, I mean, it is. Whitetails are smart.
0: They're, I mean, to me, if you're going to compare elk and whitetail, elk hunting's hard. I get it. But... You, really, you don't really get to talk to whitetails. I mean, sure, we can grunt and rattle and that sort of stuff, but they are the yeah. most skittish servid that ever has is, is existed. White, you know, an elk will bust out, sure. Mm-hmm. But a whitetail, you, especially a pressured whitetail, you give them one reason to, to leave, and they will do it. And I, I think to be able to be somewhere and pattern whitetail to the point where you can get one killed would be difficult when you only have, let's say, seven days to do it plenty of people do it. it's not impossible but
1: what it would, that kind of goes back to what your goals are right. that's going to be hard to do on a one there. on a 150 class deer could you do it on a two or three year old possibly your chances go up but doe yeah yeah something
2: so tracy i gotta ask put you on the spot what is one we'll call it quote unquote budget hunt like that sticks out to you that like i don't know just one of your favorite hunts can you tell us kind of walk yeah, us you through know, that
3: um any any elk hunt that i've done in new mexico whether i've tagged out or not uh has been pretty amazing uh, i've been very blessed to draw elk tags um in new mexico multiple <coughs> times Excuse me. and um we brought bulls home every time i some of those hunts i didn't kill bulls some of them we both killed bulls uh some of them i should have killed bulls and i was holding out for bigger um i mean one One amazing hunt that I I love to talk about is, uh, you know, I had a a bull in 16D, which is probably the most sought-after unit in New Mexico. Um, First day, opening day, had a 300-inch bull, walked down to this waterhole that I had built a little blind on. And uh, he was probably, you know, 280 to 300 inches, maybe a little smaller, maybe a little bigger. First day, he's standing there at 10 yards. I had a bull like him already on the wall. I mean, he gave me every angled shot that any human would ever want. And I thought, man, I don't know if I shoot this thing on first day. He leaves that water hole and walks right up to me and puts his nose on my shoulder.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, man. He takes a
3: big big whiff of human odor. And only then did he decide I was a bad guy. Um, Looking back, I didn't kill anything on that hunt. I was full drawn probably a 360 and just couldn't get the shot through the brush. It was too brushy or whatever. My buddy shot a three fifty seven on that hunt. Wow, um yeah. looking back, man, I you know, the the saying is on those hunts, don't pass on the first day what you take on the last and I should have killed him. You know yep. what I mean? I uh especially when you look at having cerebral palsy, the you know, the amount of hunts that I'm gonna get are <laughs> less than most people and I just I got greedy, I guess. I get <laughs> and, uh, it. But get man, it. that was it was an amazing hunt. I did come to full draw on a three sixty bowl and, and just uh Hunting elk in the Gila, nothing compares to it. The The downside is the odds of drawing that tag are one half. One
0: we all percent. put in for it this year. We didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah.
0: And, you know, uh, it's funny because you said the saying is don't pass on the first day what you would shoot on the last. And yeah. we've had a lot of our listeners have asked us, hey, you know, would you shoot a cow or a calf on day one? And now that I'm, you know, four or five, whatever it is, years into it or six my answer is hell yes. I, I promise you, a cow, a, day, cow, day cow, cow walks see, in front of me now. in an OTC, very pressured Colorado unit. She's getting shot, and uh, but your first year, your very first day, your first year, you're like, I'm only gonna shoot a bull, you know, only gonna do this, and yeah, Al- it's amazing how quickly you change your uh, tone.
1: Oh yeah, Albert asked me before I went on my first year with you guys. He asked, he's like, so you're gonna what are, you, what are you planning on shooting? And I told him I was like, oh, I'll probably just stick with a bull the first three or four days, and then. Anything after that, and now, yeah, I'm I'm smoking a cow first thing. It it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not kidding.
0: We make it 30 yards into the timber, and a a legal cow or calf walks in front of me. She's kidding. <laughs> I do an, not care. You'd be an easy pack. I'm done.
3: <laughs> you know, success breeds success. I don't know if you guys know who Jared Lyle is. Uh, Jared Lyle is the CEO of Hunt and Fool magazine. Okay. Okay. Uh Jared Lyle helped build the brand Trophy Taker. If you remember the sight and rest company trophy taker. Yep. Dan Evans owned that company and Jared Lyle was the general manager for years, years and years. Those two guys were two of the best elk hunters that I personally know. And he always said to me, you know, we think that the school of hard knocks is how we learn. And he always says, Success breeds success. Okay. You kill that first cow, you kill that first bull you watch your success rate go through the roof. Um, one of my best friends that I, I just mentioned, he's the one that shot that 357. Uh, he's the best whitetail hunter I've ever met in my life, and I've been in this industry, as you know, my whole life. 200-inch uh, bu- bucks, 180-inch bucks on public mm-hmm. land. I mean, just, he's a killer. And for years, he would go elk hunting and not kill an elk, and he would have all these big bucks on his wall, and he'd go on elk hunting, elk hunting, elk hunting. 20 years he went on elk hunts without killing an elk okay it was just like this thing he couldn't get off his back he went and killed one bull and he's probably been on eight or ten hunts since then and he's killed a bull on every one of those hunts Hmm. including including two years ago he killed a bull in arizona that was 377 inches right out from underneath a whole bunch of outfitters he was unguided you know what mm. I mean? <laughs> Drought stricken year. Most people were turning in their tags. You can do that in Arizona before the hunt. You can actually say, "Ah, oh, doesn't look good." turn and take A lot of people were doing that, and he went and shot a 377 inch bull, and I wasn't surprised at all when I got there the picture. There is hope for. But but twenty those. years, twenty years. I mean, I did an article for an article for Peterson Bow Hunting on him. Um, just all the years it took. I also did an article for Peterson Bow Hunting on Greg Susselman, who was the founder of ScentLock yeah uh he went on 19 <laughs> elk hunts before killing one and those a lot of them were high-end hunts right i mean those were industry hunts he went on 19 elk hunts before killing one well at my pace tracy's gonna be writing an article on me in about another 10 years <laughs> <laughs> there you go there no, you i got go. 10 more to go but uh, we're getting there <laughs> yeah so i mean success breeds success um i just unfortunately we live in a society and i've talked to a lot of manufacturers about this you go back to fred bear's age and i know we're down in the weeds here but you go back to fred bear's age they killed anything that moved yeah yeah and elk hunt became a rabbit hunt when a cottontail walked in front of them okay and we don't do that anymore no and so a lot of bow hunters aren't as good of hunters as they'd like to think just because they're not drawing enough blood i mean it's just what i tell my own son he's 16 (laughs) i'm like kill everything that moves right (laughs) i I know that you watch michael waddell and lee and tiffany and all the youtubers but i want you to just go out and kill stuff makes sense and i would say it's the same way when you're going on an elk hunt just just kill the first thing you can
1: i mean that's how it was legally yeah Yeah.
3: (laughs) that's kind of how it was i make my living so you can ask anyone who who hunts with me i don't i don't bend a single rule this
0: no no, this poor bastard right here Micah, last year had Three opportunities, yeah. Three different opportunities to shoot a spike, and and three different spikes, three yep. different spikes, and couldn't do it because they were they yeah they the, at the time. Or <laughs> that were, that
2: one, me, or you yeah. were going to race because we were shoulder to shoulder, yeah. both yeah, <laughs> of us. We were like, <laughs> Who's pulling
1: first? So, but yeah, unfortunately, they didn't happen. we like, why you what?
3: can do it? I, I think what happens a lot of times it's that mental aspect. Like, man, I'm day four, day five, I can't do it. I, I think another thing that's made. Myself and a lot of my friends successful. Once again, I give Jared Lyle and Dan Evans credit for, for kind of teaching me some of these things just in interviews over the years. I don't call that much. Okay. It's, uh, if he makes one bugle, I mean, my buddies and I were slipping in, right? We're just trying to locate him and slip in and get a shot. And our success rate has went up quite a bit since deciding to do that. Uh, I interviewed Cameron Haynes one time about that. And, uh, we were talking about long range shooting and, and Cameron Haynes, I'll never forget this quote. It stuck with me. He said, I would rather shoot a relaxed bull at 60 yards feeding in a meadow than shoot a bull looking for me at 20 yards. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know what Absolutely. I mean? When they're relaxed and kind of doing their thing versus they're amped up and looking for you. Um, so oh, no doubt. Just, just, I mean, just that, that goes to, that's
0: the same thing with a whitetail. Yeah. yeah. i
3: you know, they'll um, jump a string all day long. I think one of the things that has wrecked a lot of elk hunts for guys is they go out there and they want to be like Will Primos, right? They've saw, they've seen all the Will Primos videos, they're calling in these big bulls. That's toes. hard to do. It's hard to do, especially.
0: You know, you got to know when you're going hunting. We go early season, and they're not really doing their thing yet. So, will they bugle? Yes, and we've had some scream fest here and there but they're not really in full rut at the time that we're there.
2: I mean, what Tracy's talking about right now cost me a bull last year because of my inexperience, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. I had one screaming in the timber all day long, didn't realize. I thought it was another hunter, and I should have shut up and slipped in. But I slipped back on him. I found him again in the afternoon. He was still bugling. I'm like, there is no way. Still in the same general vicinity within 500 yards of that morning. And uh, I got down there to where I could see him, and I bugled. He spun around and he came up there. Well, I, you're gonna call me an idiot because I just kept talking to him. I was so caught up in the moment of mm-hmm. he would bugle, I'd bugle. He, he was walking to me. If I just shut up, he would have walked into my lap. But instead, yeah. I kept responding, and I completely—I mean, I will own that 100%. I screwed it up completely. But I was so caught up in that interaction. If I'd have just shut up, he would have walked right to me instead. He walked up, hung up at 45 yards behind some trees because something was supposed to be there and it wasn't. And I'm sitting there chuckling back at him. He's chuckling at me and just going back and forth. Hmm. Had I shut up initially, done that one bugle and shut up, I think he would have been in my lap. And yeah.
3: Yeah. And w- one of the mistakes we make as a Midwesterner or whatever, a guy who doesn't live without, you go to the School of Hard Knocks one week a year. Yeah. And you forget 90% of what you've learned by the next year, yep. okay? And so that's, you know, that that's the problem. There is now you know, right? And you might kill one this fall because of what you learned last year. But but it it took me a lot of years. And I talk about that 360 bull. Um, that was a bull that I literally I put to bed. Okay, he was bugling in the morning. I put him to bed. I marked his location on my GPS. I came back. I didn't know how big he was, but I knew where he was. And I came back and I slept within 50 yards of where he was bedded and I waited for him to get up. And I thought he was going to come one way and he went another, the age old story, right? But I was within 50 yards of him. Hmm. And when he he stood up and he kind of walked through some brush and it it all went awry. But um, I never called to him one time in the morning or the evening. Um, My buddy's bull, that was 357 that I talked about. Um, We have a tendency, what we like to do is sleep with the elk. Okay. Our, our, our tent is usually, there's alcohol around us and that bull, um, woke us up at three o'clock in the morning and we literally got up and he shadowed that bull until it was light enough to shoot. And he just stayed on him. He never said a word that would bugle. He'd slip another 50, that would bugle. He'd slip another 20. And at daylight, he shot him, you Mm -hmm. know, never, never making a noise, staying up at night is absolutely one of my favorite tactics. We'll stay up all night and listen for bugles and then try to shadow a bull. Uh, They're like a turkey. When they know there's pressure, they shut up. A turkey quits gobbling when he knows there's hunting pressure. elk does the same. The difference between an elk and a turkey is a lot of times elk will bugle all night. Uh, Even if they're not talking during the day, it's amazing. You can hunt all day and never hear a bugle and you're laying in your tent 10 o'clock at night and all of a sudden one lets out a bugle, right? If you're a go-getter, get up and stay with that bull till daylight you might kill them
2: well, makes sense yeah it does we should try that this year everything's on the table <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take a nap
3: to. during the day you know what i mean take a nap we get those the done day. yeah i can do yeah. that yeah, yeah we can yeah, do that <laughs> stay stay with them i mean there's a lot of times two or three in the morning is when we're learning a lot about those elk yeah
0: it's impressive that you were able to put that bull to bed and then get that close to him because I have the hardest time pinpointing where I'm hearing something come from. Especially like if you got in the mountains, yeah. you're just kind of all over the place. I'll hear something and I'll point to the left and the, you know, if I'm let's say I'm with two guys, they're both pointing over there and I'm just like, "Man, yeah. I swore it was well, coming I mean, from there."
3: keep in mind I'm I'm 44 now and my first elk hunt was in Idaho when I was 20. So,
0: yeah. You know.
1: Been around it. Yeah, done, done a handful of times. It. Yeah.
3: But, you know, like I said, it's still still really tough and and it's been a few years since i've done it now and and yeah. uh, i'd probably go out there and make all the same mistakes over and over and over again that you guys are talking about i mean it's just um it's power for the course unless you live out there
0: definitely um going back to uh, equipment so you know we talked about packs and and boots um being you know important but maybe we you know you can keep from spending you know eight hundred dollars on that pack and six hundred dollars on a pair of boots especially if you want to start out another piece of gear that i think is decently important especially after having kind of been through them all now you can certainly go out and hunt with blue jeans jeans and a (laughs) cotton shirt if you wanted to but having had you know Not the nicest stuff and, you know, then spending money on the most expensive stuff in the world and kind of going all over. To me, clothing is decently important, especially, you know, base layers and then what you're wearing to either keep warm or be able to stay mobile. Um, Talk about kind of what you've done over the years when it comes to what you wear.
3: Well, I mean, uh, it's no secret. I I work for Huntworth now and uh, manage a lot of their marketing. Uh, so I, I'm absolutely wearing Huntworth. Uh, before Huntworth, I was still dressing about the same. I like to especially on a western hunt, you know, start out in the morning with a bunch of layers on and, and shed them as the day goes on. Um, and the cool thing with the Huntworth line, as you already know is it's really budget friendly. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that draw that drew me to them uh, when they called me and said, hey, we'd like you to help with with our marketing. Um, there really wasn't a brand at the time. That I could think of that was just owning that space you had really high-end clothing and you had low-end clothing and there wasn't really as Neil the owner of Huntworth always tells me he said I want to be the Ford and Chevy of the hunting clothing mm-hmm. and they absolutely are that you know and then some you know what I mean uh they, they've really up up their game even in the last four or five years since I've uh, worked with them no doubt. and for a guy on a budget it, it's really hard to beat I mean you can get their base layers you can get a Midweight coat and go on an elk hunt and have all your base layers on and midweight coat and shed your stuff and cram it in your pack and the way you go they have real lightweight rainwear you know that's packable too, um, but they really are the budget-friendly hunting clothing line for that guy who doesn't want to spend a lot of money. I agree, uh, and, and it yeah. really holds up well. I mean, I can't say I've had many garments just all out fail on me, and I and I beat them to death, you know. Yeah. Um, so it really is good stuff.
0: And Obviously, it's no secret that we're partners with Huntworth, too. Yeah. But the the part that I think people kind of cross somebody off the list is when they hear budget-friendly, they think low-quality. And right. to me, yeah. that's you not even you have to, close you, to You think true. you have
2: to give up something for a budget, and that, yeah, like Nate said, it's no.
0: And with some companies, some things you do. Sure. Sure. But but, yeah, we haven't found that to be the case with Huntworth. No, certainly not. And in fact, I've tested my Huntworth stuff. Against very high end stuff that I will not name, on the same exact days, just because I wanted to, because I owned that that high end stuff back then, and I just tested them on the same days and saw no difference between the performance. And and, it was a
2: third of the price, at at least.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh,
3: as we were talking about in the intro, I think one of the most amazing things for me when I when I started working for them was they really wanted my opinion. They wanted your opinion and everyone's opinion on how the clothing held up. Okay, I mean, they they would call me and say, okay, you use this, our latest jacket on this hunt or that trip, what'd you think of it? You know, and and then, hey, while we have you on the phone, could you line up an interview with this guy that you brought to the table? Because we want to ask him how this pair of pants worked or that pair of pants. And then if you don't like something about them, they would actually consider changing that, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked with some of the biggest brands in this industry. They are the only brand I've ever worked with that said, hey man, thank you for that suggestion. We're gonna, next year we're gonna do this or we're gonna change that pocket or we're gonna move this around or make them a better fit or whatever. I mean, they they really strive to have amazing quality for a fraction of the price. And, And it's no secret too that they sponsor Nick's Wild Ride and nick hoffman the host of nick's wild ride i mean he travels the globe hunting okay so if it's sheep in some far off country or moose in alaska or whatever i mean he's beaten this stuff to death mm-hmm. as well you yeah. know it, it really is
0: and they um, certainly but- do i mean we've been on calls with them and they ask us what we think about stuff and they do take it and you know work with right. those those suggestions
2: in the grand scheme of them, yeah we have a partnership with them but we're your average Joe everyday hunter and they took our opinions and our, I mean, our input for value. And that's, I think, like you said, to mimic what you're saying, I mean, it's just, that's important because it's the users of it are getting a say or getting a voice, I guess.
3: Yeah. And and if you look at the reviews, I mean, they're really high and, and uh, I've given away a lot of the clothing to a lot of people, you know, um, heavy, heavy hitters in the industry, let's say that who, you know, they might not be someone who's going to take a sponsorship or whatever, but they're just impressed when they try it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they keep like, what I like about them, we've been with them for, you know, two and a half, almost three years. They keep moving forward and, you know, try and do new things. Uh, you know, how can they serve the community that's using them? And, um, all, and the other nice thing, by the way, they give great discounts. Their stuff is already affordable. Oh yeah. yeah now, by clear. the time you hear this show, they just had a thirty percent sale end in the, in August. That's right. huge. You know, and they're probably going to have another one. You can get fifteen percent off using our code anytime you want. Right. Right. And uh, you know, that's on top of already being affordable. Right. So that's pretty cool. But they they always push forward to me, and they just came out with what eight days ago. By the time people hear this a new line of warmer or cold weather gear, which, uh, you know, we tested out all last all winter, winter. Mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't talk about, which was horrible. You know? <laughs> it was, it's just it hard, was, hard not to talk about how awesome something is, you know, yeah. but um, talk about their new heat boost and what uh, what you like about that.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about how to describe it and we don't want to go in the weeds with it. Um, but it, but it's made with graphene technology. The fabric uh, has this graphene technology built into it. And, you know, it's a lot warmer, up to 30% warmer, in some cases might go beyond that or whatever. There's been a lot of independent testing. Um, It really, that fabric, that clothing line turns your body into a heater for Mm -hmm. real. Like you, you, when they, I was one of the first people, you know, to test that or whatever. And and I was half expecting it, right? So maybe that made some mental difference or whatever. But I remember throwing the gloves on and throwing a coat on. And I live up in Michigan. It's cold here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, we're, I, I, one of the first times I used it, I was ice fishing just to kind of test it out. And I was in Northern Michigan. I mean, and it was, you know, below zero and you slip that stuff on and there's that aha moment like, wow, this, this really is warm. Yep. Yeah. So warm that I certainly wouldn't want to wear it all the way out to my tree stand. I mean, I've told them that like one of the downsides, right. if there is a downside <laughs> is you don't want to get dressed head to toe in that stuff and walk a mile. Right. Because you'll be sweating your guts out by the by the time you get there. Yeah. But also kind uh, of a positive. It really traps your heat and and that fabric just kind of recycles the heat and keeps it close to your body. And so if you're a guy who gets cold easy or you're hunting in the late season, it's dynamite without adding bulk. It's really building the fabric. Without without, you know, you're not looking like the Michelin man when you're climbing. (laughs) You 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 can still draw
2: your bow and function.
3: Yeah. Yeah. A lot lot of flexibility. That was the,
0: soul, know, I mean, the game changer for me. And like you just said, you you are going to get hot in it, or not hot. You're going to stay comfortable no matter how cold it is, in my opinion. And, yes, if you're going to be walking a lot, you're going to turn into a furnace. So what I do is I would have my pants on, and I would pack my coat on me because it's easily packable because it's not huge. Right. It is just yeah. like a regular coat that you would buy from Orsulens or whatever that you'd put on going to – you know, dinner with your wife or whatever. It's pretty easy to just throw it in your backpack while you're walking. Easy. And uh, I got to the point where all I would wear was a base layer, the pants, a base layer, sometimes a hoodie, and then the coat. Right. That was it. Yeah,
1: and we, I mean, we mainly, I tested it out. We got it towards the end of our uh, deer season. We can hunt, <coughs> hunt deer all the way up to January 15th. And I remember going out, and I was in the bibs and the uh, the coat, and the only thing that got cold on me was my feet because I didn't have the proper boots on. Same. And I was hunting in the snow, so my feet were just standing in snow. I didn't have my Zamberlands yet, but it, it was amazing how good they work. But then also, we really tested them out during our thermal coyote season. I mean, it gets – you know, there's no sun. February. February, yeah. March, you know, early March, it's not that bad. But, I mean, middle of the night, and we were staying toasty. You know, it, it, it just – really speaks for it
0: yeah yeah and obviously we're partnered with them and take that with the grain of salt however we're telling you that stuff is great yeah you know and, no,
3: it, and it, it is a um you know and everyone thinks we're all nascar right these yeah. days with with <laughs> all this kind of stuff like we're pushing it and promoting it um but i can just tell you it's you will feel the difference if you buy it. you'll feel the difference and if you want to start start small uh i suggest buying their gloves Their gloves are super comfortable. They're form fitting. Um, you know, their, their gloves is what really got them into the hunting industry and built their name. They have amazing gloves for the price and they have heat boost gloves. And, and what are the things that, you know, get coldest, the quickest when we're hunting, it's usually our hands, you know? So if you're like, ah, I'm not going to buy all that malarkey or whatever, start with the gloves. You'll have them on 10 minutes and, and you'll know, yeah, this stuff is legit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Huge fans of them. Um, it just came out uh we actually had some listeners asking about some uh hey should i get this or this and i know one of them i told him hey why don't you wait about 3 weeks <laughs> yeah i can't tell you why but you should wait about 3 weeks and yep. uh, i'm pretty sure he did and, um and uh i he uh oh he sent me a no it was something else it was the sale, and he's like, "Hey, is this what you told me to wait for?" I'm like, "No, wait another week. <laughs> wait, <for it. laughs> oh, yeah. wait a little
1: bit longer. It's yeah. almost there." And, you know,
3: and we have some pretty funny commercials coming out with the heat boost. With the heat boost too, you know, it will be air in this fall, and and uh, just try to get that message across. Yep. You know that it is all the warmth without the bulk. You know yep. and that's that's a big thing. That
0: was that's the game changer for me. Is when I did the test. Yep. it was the same, and that was not with heat boost. That was just with uh, Huntworths. Uh, late season stuff that they i still offer but um that that's what i was doing the test with and the difference was the performance was the same and the bulk was not even close to the same i mean the the higher end brand was just really bulky and this was just like wearing regular clothing to me that was where the huntworth won
2: i think the applicable stuff i mean is for one for in in missouri you, there's people during rifle season or bow season they do all day sets they're in that stand all day long it's cold I mean it's freezing this stuff you are I mean you like you're wrapped in a blanket you're just comfortable you're good to go I use it coyote hunting like you said there's some days the wind chill was in the negative teens yeah and people are like, how are you coyote hunting in this? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're crazy. I'm like, I can't tell you how I'm doing this. But <laughs> just know I'm, I'm comfortable. <laughs> I am just fine. There's nothing wrong with me right yeah. now.
3: And, and like everything Huntworth, right, it's price to sell. I mean, Absolutely. that's one of the big things. And, and um, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't realize this, but I'll just kind of let people behind the curtain. I mean, one, one of the reasons those real expensive brands have to charge what they do is they spend lots of money on marketing. Okay. I mean, they really... Pour it to the marketing. They spend millions of dollars on marketing. Well, the consumer at the end is paying for that. Okay, there's a reason a coat's 500 bucks, uh, and Huntworth isn't that high. And, and a lot of it is we really we we penny pinch when it comes to our marketing budget and what we do there, and we pass those savings on, you know, to the end consumer. Where a lot of the other brands, I mean, if you're pouring millions into marketing. Uh, it's got to be paid for somehow, and that's at the price tag at the retail store.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Man, we just went down a huge rabbit hole on Huntworth. However, it kind of works well with the budget. The budget you know, hunting. budgeting yeah. on the on the western, you know, hunting on a budget. So I guess it was it was the most applicable rabbit hole we've probably ever had in the show. Because <laughs> <laughs> most I of our rabbit budget, holes have nothing I mean,
3: to do. I'm a I'm a budget guy, you know. I mean, uh, if I can leave anybody with anything, we'll go. How were you? How did you become so successful as an outdoor rider? And I can honestly say early on, it was definitely because I lived on a budget and my wife was willing to let me chase the dream and she was willing to live on a, on the budget as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a budget minded person and I didn't have kids when I started and I didn't have a lot of debt, you know? And so I was able to live cheap and living on a budget is also gonna help you chase these hunting dreams, you know what I mean? If it's- no doubt. I got a buddy who doesn't make a lot of money. He goes elk hunting almost every year. And, I mean, he literally treats his elk hunt like a house payment And every paycheck. He, you know, pulls 50 bucks out or whatever and tosses it in an envelope and come September, he heads out west.
0: How important is it to you? You yeah. know, I if mean, it's
3: a priority level.
0: You can't afford it, but you've got a $65,000 Duramax.
3: Yeah, or, or I was saying that uh, I'm a healthy eater as well. Does someone have a Duramax in the room? Oh, two really of out. us. Two of us do. I feel okay. like a, little, a little targeted at the moment. Uh, I, I could tell there was some inside joke or something there, but you know, I was I was laughing with my wife the other day. We um we went to a Tigers baseball game up here, and I was blown away when we were sitting there and people were paying. It was like twenty dollars for a beer, right? Yeah. And my wife got four. This is a true story. My wife got four waters, and it was twenty two dollars and fifty cents. That's crazy for four waters. Damn and i thought to myself all these people would tell you they can't afford whatever fill in the mm-hmm. blank but they're here drinking a 20 dollar beer and a 7 dollar water or whatever it is yeah. and it really does boil down to priorities you know some of the most successful hunters i know are guys who are just middle class americans you know yeah. i tell people all the time so here's here's my thing to leave you guys with i've interviewed every famous person you could think of in the hunting industry and told their story for a magazine and what i found is the average Joe next door who I have to twist his arm to tell his story, a lot of times he's a better hunter. <laughs> oh,
0: sure. <laughs> I believe I, we've said that yeah. millions of times. The the, kill, the real killers sometimes, yeah, there's you won't definitely even know about them. killers in the industry, but there are so many real killers you'll never hear about. You'll never hear their yeah. stories. You'll never yeah. hear I it. Don't,
3: I don't want to tell you how I did this or that or whatever, but, but if I had to boil it down to one thing, I think it's time. You can take that to the bank, that it's time in the field so if you're going out west have a minimum of 10 days of hunting i often have 14 to 20. i mean not everybody can do that but but that is um the key to success is time
0: yeah and and when we first started and i know micah did this and and i did this my first year and and second year then it became a little more well i know what the cost is going to be every year but you know set an envelope aside and like you said tracy treat it like a payment that you need to make every month and put money in the envelope. And that is literally just like Dave Ramsey. Like Tracy oh, yeah. was saying,
2: I'm starting to get a vibe that Tracy literally, he said it while ago, yeah. he is the Dame Ram- Dave Ramsey of hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely. just put that money. Now in the-
3: realize here's the wild card you might come home and have a new couch in the living room. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, so all of a sudden your uh, $2,000 hut was three. Uh, I've i I've come to grips with that as well. Like if there's ever a time where something magically is going to appear in my house, it's yep. usually what I've, somewhere else you know
0: you made a a good point maybe stuff is more expensive because you're gone i've gotten that argument from my wife where you get to go elk hunting every year so i'm going to take the kids to you know disneyland oh shit that just costs so wait a minute if i didn't go elk hunting we wouldn't have to go
2: (laughs) and there is saying something like money saved is money spent or something like that
0: i I don't know that's
2: your saying
3: something something to know there is now and this this can help along the budget it'll be a more expensive trip but one thing that we've done as a family um We've taken a lot of those trips as family vacations and turned a hunt into a family vacation that even my wife wants to go on. I mean, you talk about Walt Disney World. Uh, when my son was 10 years old, we went to Florida for spring break, and uh, he shot an axis deer, shot his first Osceola. We went to Walt Disney World and Legoland. To me, that was living the dream.
2: <laughs> that, that's <laughs> that's perfect that balance. living the dream. All about balance. Yeah. Uh,
3: When I killed that antelope uh, that I talked about, I killed an antelope in Colorado, I brought the whole family. And the reason they were all able to go is their opening day for antelope was August 15th. It was a week and a half before school started, and we went out there and did all kinds of fun family things. And then I went and killed an antelope on opening day. So there is ways, if you're a family man, to incorporate it all.
0: Perfect. Definitely. Definitely. What else you guys got? I feel like
2: we could honestly talk to Tracy forever about right. multiple subjects. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean,
0: hunting on a budget was a great way to kind of get into it. And, yeah, Dave Dave Ramsey or Tracy Breen, as, <laughs> as uh, we'll talk about. If you've never listened to Dave Ramsey, by the way, listener, you should check out his show because what I love about it is he basically yells at people for an hour every right. day. And it's a lot of it's common sense, so I kind of like it, you know. Yeah. And then every yeah. once in a while he'll say something that I do. I'm like, yeah, shut up. I'm, up. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Tracy, um, before we hop off, do you, uh, anything you want to plug anything you're, you're up to right now? What's your, any projects you're up to right now?
3: Well, I mean, uh, I do have a book on the subject. It's been published years ago, but I mean, you can find it on Amazon. I don't, I don't push it much anymore, but it's actually called big game on a budget. Um, you can also visit my website, which is just my name. If, if you want to book a speaking engagement or whatever, that's tracybreen.com, T-R-A-C-Y-B-R-E-E-N. But, I, but I'll leave everyone with this, man. Do chase the dreams. Uh, the the difference between me and everybody else is that when I was 20, I just was dumb enough to chase this dream. You know what <laughs> I mean? I'd, I'm not an amazing hunter or, you know, I don't have an amazing gift. I just have a lot of grit and, you know, willing to work hard. And it's the same thing with your podcast or Many of the TV shows I've worked with over the years—it's just guys who they finally wake up and say, "Hey, why not me? I'm going to get after it." Yeah. So, whether whatever your dream is, you know, go chase it because no one's going to chase it for you.
0: Nope, That's right, no doubt. And remember, it's it's not about the trophies; it's about the memories. Yep, you know. And I
2: think, I would, yeah, I just wish we could tap into Tracy's memory bank. Yeah, that would be. I mean, yeah, those experiences—I'm well, sure you wouldn't trade for the If there's
3: anything else, I mean, I don't know how long. How long we can go here, but, um, you know. We'll have
0: to get you on we'll, it another time. We'll, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah if you're up for it, we'll have you back for sure.
3: Sure. Yeah, anytime.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, Andy, Mike, if you don't have anything else, we're going to hit the stop button on this one.
3: All righty. Sounds good.
0: Tracy, appreciate you being on, buddy.
3: All right. Take care. Good Thank luck you, hunting, guys. Thanks. Thanks. We, we need it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a good one, boys. Thank you, Tracy, for yes. making it on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, for making it onto the show. <laughs> we really appreciate it. You know, I,
2: I'll try to try to make it back sometime if you guys would have me. Um, you know, every once in a while, I'll uh,
0: try to make an appearance. Oh, we we would appreciate that. I, I expected you to give him a hard time when he came back, but you just really landed on. I know? didn't think that was that bad. But, you know, it's just it's just cute. Just, you know, because you I can tell you really missed Andy. Well, yeah. The way we sit in our new our new <laughs> studio, Andy always sits next to you. Just the way we I don't know ended up choosing our spots and i can tell you've been just you know missing him on the right side you know
1: (laughs) maybe more or less he's tired of being alone with you that is that Uh, is factual right there we have gone at each other's throats a handful of times
2: i mean a handful i don't show up and all of a sudden there's dr pepper incidents there's (laughs) there's you know collateral damage happening
0: yeah let's talk about that incident who do you side with on that You can, you can I mean, speak I, freely.
2: I mean, I, I can see both sides, you
0: know. No, you're a fence-sitter. Okay.
2: It was a waste of a Dr. Pepper. Yes, it was. I, I feel a, I feel 16 a little ounce. guilty that it was a waste. I feel, okay, I feel Micah could have done more or just as much
1: with less of a
2: Dr. Pepper.
0: Thank you. That's the only Dr. Pepper they had. So then I wouldn't uh, have done it. Okay.
2: Well, see, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. If they would have had a smaller can, I would have got a smaller can. I mean, hell, can. you could
2: have went through McDonald's for like a dollar.
0: Oh, funny you should <laughs> say that because that's what I wanted them to do. Is to go get a dollar pop. He might have already been past McDonald's. See. I knew you were pretty
2: good about late. I mean, just yesterday, you're like, hey, you want to drink from Sonic? You're already at Sonic. So if I didn't see the message, dude, I sent that message
0: to you thirty minutes before you saw it.
2: Exactly. So if you would have planned ahead, I sent that to you
0: when I left my house. He didn't ask me if I wanted to drink from Sonic. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was I was already in a bad mood with you because you made us wait all half afternoon
1: to to leave. That's y'all's fault because (laughs) I said, I was like, hey, you know, can we do it a little bit later on in the day? Nobody once said, well, what's later on not in the day? 630.
0: we 6.30. And I said we should have clarified that. Yeah. We should have clarified because obviously Micah's Lack of version- communication
1: on y'all's part is not an emergency <laughs> on mine,
0: okay? We'll leave uh, it at that. You could have just communicated how long it was going to be. I didn't Lord. know
1: for sure. I just knew it was going to be later.
0: We're not mad at you, but. Super annoyed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're over it. So, so basically, what you're saying, Andy, is I win the Dr Pepper argument. Mike is a piece of shit. Get you. Appreciate you. I'm glad uh, you're back not too.
2: Saying that because it was pretty freaking funny. It
0: was fun. It was fun. There I, was I there was
2: some value in the entertainment.
0: Thank you. I left. Thank you. He did a good job of selling the whole. I'm gonna take a drink of this and then pour it out and then mutter words to you. It was it was it was well done. I'll give you that. Well executed. But it pissed well me off because I was already in a bad mood. That is why it was well. And I was looking for. <laughs> I was looking forward to the damn Dr. Pepper. You drive by a Dollar General all the time. Not going to that. I don't want to hear it. You you were well, guys. How capable. are we going
2: to control the budget on our uh, Hunts Canal?
0: Um, Mike is going to stop Wasting drinks Would be one good idea Can okay, to change The subject here <laughs> he, He's just trying To get out of here He's got to go back to work so. The Ebola virus That's going <laughs> to suck <huh? laughs> Monkey pox huh <laughs> yeah. Alright Thanks Tracy We appreciate it Boys so you one. See you